0: Blue Collar Fitness. What is Blue Collar? Blue Collar is a mindset, an attitude, and attitude, it's work that you can be proud of. I'm Trevor Powers. I'm Connor Burton. And I'm Josh
1: Sargent. Whether you go to the gym, work at the gym, own the gym, or if you're just a creeper pretending to do curls watching girls on the elliptical, this podcast is for you, even you. And welcome, everyone, to Blue Collar Fitness. We have a very special guest, our very first guest today, uh, Dr. Matt Shiver, uh, Dr. Shiver. Physical Therapy. Oh, Shiver. Man. Okay. There, we <laughs> messed it up there. <laughs> so, epic, <right>. epic fail. Boom, 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 boom. Okay. Dr. Matt Shiver out there from the, uh, the East Coast. Is it uh, South Carolina?
2: Yes. I'm in Charleston, South Carolina.
1: Nice. Nice. And uh, you went to school at Duke,
2: right? Yes, you got it. Yeah, That's I, a went undergrad. yeah I went to grad. Yeah, I went undergrad at uh, Appalachian, and then I stayed in North Carolina and went to, to grad school at Duke. So actually, I used, to, like, I used to live in North Carolina. What part? Uh, I lived in Southern Pines for my mom lived in Southern Pines for what, like fifteen? no, nah, like ten years. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome, man. Good area.
1: Yeah, Trevor is uh visiting family. He's out in Texas right now. He's, he would normally be in the uh, the studio here with us. So um, yeah, man, blue collar fitness, we're trying to bring a, uh, a, a basically a relatable product to our, our listeners. You know, we want to get healthcare and fitness professionals um, that can, you know, show their daily experience and, you know, that makes it uh, just, just add value to our listeners lives. So, um, dude, tell us about, uh, tell us about how school went, you know, how, how was, how did you even decide that you wanted to be go into this man?
2: Yeah, no, it's a good, good question, man. These are questions that they ask you during all the interview processes. And then after that, you kind of forget about them. You're Like, man, why, why did I go to PT school? I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, I've I've always enjoyed training. I think the first time I touched a barbell, I was probably in fifth or sixth grade, and working out in my best friend's garage with his dad. You know, of course, doing bench press and bicep curls. I mean, what what else what, would you be doing? You know what I mean? Like, minutes. are there any other exercises? I don't think so. Like,
1: <laughs> what else so, is there besides bench press and curls? You got to do it yeah, for the I girls.
2: Love it. That's shit. Yeah. So I started training then and um, all throughout, probably from like middle school on, I was, I was training um, scrawny kid. Just, 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 you know, just throwing weight around, sneaking into the gym. I don't think I was old enough to be in the gym, but, uh, but I was, so did that. And then went into high school, played sports, played football, and ended up having an injury and tore my ACL my sophomore year of, of high school. And Going through that process, um, it just was you – know, it was like so cookie cutter. It was like, all right, you're going to do three sets of 20 of leg press, knee extension, knee curls, and uh, you're going to do some stretching. And that was they just pretty much the,
1: chart. the end of it. Oh, yeah. Whatever yeah, they could bill was, on insurance.
2: Yeah. So it was pretty <laughs> – yeah, it was pretty – it was bad, man. And then like it wasn't until I was pretty much – I guess they were – like they couldn't do anything as far as PT standards go. They're like, well, you're discharged, but you're not strong enough to to return to the field or, or do anything of like, yeah, I can go run, but my run sucked. I was like, I'm still kind of limping on this leg. Like, I don't think I'm like ready yet. So I ended up uh, hiring a personal trainer and uh, help having that person kind of guide me through the process of return to sport. And man, it wasn't until I started doing, squats and deadlifts did I start noticing oh man I'm starting to get strong again
1: (laughs) (laughs) this is the magical list right there man
2: yeah so that three sets of 20 wasn't cutting it but once I once I put a little bit more load in the bar and um, started doing movements that I felt like I was meant to do I started seeing progress so from from that point on I was I know I was introduced to PT it was it wasn't I mean I wouldn't say it was a negative experience but I knew it was like man I could do better. And I want to learn more. So that got me into studying exercise science uh, at app. And then when I was studying that, I was kind of in between should I get my master's in ex phys or exercise uh, physiology and be like a strength coach? Or should I go down the physical therapy or chiropractic route? And um, I ended up choosing the physical therapy route just because um, at the time, I imagined that I would have a bigger scope of practice and be able to do more with that degree. So, um, yeah, when I graduated app I applied to, I just actually applied to Duke. I applied to Duke and I applied to MUSC, which is uh, the Medical University of South Carolina. But uh, I, it was early decision. So once I got into Duke, I was like, "All right, cool. I'm not worried about it. I'm going there." Dude, you got
1: into Duke, man! Like that's 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 Check. an accomplishment in an Check. Itself. It Check.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. Yeah, no, it's good. I um, going big. Yeah, I'm very grateful for that. So you
1: uh, you were into CrossFit, and you also did Olympic weightlifting. That's how I met you. Uh, you were doing my programming for for ollie lifting, and I was also. Doing cheerleading so i was trying to get stronger for that and you were with mash elite how did you yeah. get oh, how wow, did you mash. get tied into mash elite yes
2: yeah, so good good question um he he went to appalachian state so we went to the same um undergrad or shared the same undergrad and when i was at appalachian and and school studying exercise science I, that's when i got into weightlifting and i was actually watching a lot of his videos as well as john north videos if you guys don't know who John North is, you guys should just type in uh, John North, Attitude Nation, Bar Slamming.
0: Okay. Bar Slamming, okay. <laughs> and, and, uh, uh,
2: yes, sir. Oh, okay. my gosh. You guys are going to be, like, <laughs> just amazed. So um, when you think of weightlifting, weightlifting is typically, like, kind of like a, the golf sport of uh, of strength sports. It's very, um, you know, music is off. Everybody's like... Golf clapping, clapping. and it's, mm-hmm. it's like quiet, quiet. But then you right. go to powerlifting and you go to bodybuilding Tenny and those metal. other sports. Oh. It's just like, yeah, the whole entire environment, even CrossFit is just like pop hip hop. it just like goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, weightlifting is the opposite. But I started watching John North and Travis Mash videos and they were the exact opposite. <laughs> there was right. a lot of screaming, <laughs> chanting, uh, bar slamming. And I was like, I want to try this. This looks fun. So, uh, while I was at Americans messing
1: up their European, uh, Olympic lifting sport.
2: Oh yeah. (laughs) European do not like Americans in in that sport. Um, yeah. So (laughs) when when I was, uh, an undergrad, I ended up, uh, putting, putting together a few weightlifting like local meets. And then by my senior year, I had started a club. So like a a club team for weightlifting and at the university. um, at the university, yeah. yeah. Nice. So, uh, and we had a, a grad student who um, was studying exercise physiology and, and wanted to get into weightlifting. He was already weightlifting, um, but he wanted to get more into coaching. So, I actually had him lead the team and like create a team. He was the head coach and did the programming for us. Um, so, yeah, and I had that experience going into grad school. And then um, when I was at Duke, I worked a few days a week coaching. Weightlifting at a CrossFit gym, and um, I actually ran into my old boss from um, Appalachian, who I worked in like the university recreation center, and I ran into her at the Arnold, and she introduced me to Travis Dare because I had I think I was lifting I was lifting I didn't have any athletes lifting that year, and um, after after that she reached back out to me and says Hey I, you mentioned you were doing some coaching, um, we're looking for a new coach we'd love to interview you and yeah, it's kind of how I got plugged in and man, it's been, it's been a fun ride. I've learned so much from, from them and their systems. Um, yeah, I'm very, very grateful for that, that opportunity and, uh, nothing so were, but back for them.
1: So were you at mash elite performance or are you more of a remote coach while you were in your, your graduate degree and all that?
2: Yeah, I was, I was a remote coach. So, um, I like that when they, when they interviewed me, I drove down there and um and met met the team and everything like that and then it was like an hour and a half drive from Duke so I would go down that's oh, not bad I'd go down a few times a month yeah and I'd actually bring some of my athletes like that I was coaching in person and let them coach uh, in front of me and it was I learned so much from that experience just I was like I was just a fly on the wall I'm like yeah I didn't even see that right um, so yeah that's that's pretty much how that went and um, most of my clients were all remote so we had anywhere from Some of the coaches had like, you could have upwards of like 50 members or athletes that you'd be coaching at a time. I typically had like less than 20. Um, For me, once I got above that number, the quality of coaching tended to decrease as well. that's just me. Some people can manage a lot of people.
1: (laughs) In-person clientele as well. You know, once you get that 20 to 30 client that you're seeing once to three times a week, more than that and you're, it starts to go crazy, especially if you're doing individual programming for every single one. It gets it gets a bit insane. So you've got an online training uh, business going right now. Is that physical therapy? Is that strength and conditioning? Is that a mix? Tell us more about you it. Were you were plug yourself. Three. Shameless plug.
2: Yeah. <laughs> now this is uh, this is yeah. So I I have a few business partners that work with me as well. I do the programming and the backend creation. So a lot of the oh boy. Puppy. Um, I, I, do, I do a lot of the um, website creation, emails, a lot of the marketing, um, behind the scenes stuff. And uh, we work with law enforcement officers uh, across the United States. Some are, some are international. And um, yeah, so we've, yeah, it's a weird, it's a different, it's also uh, during the timing of this, of like working with law enforcement during this time is, is also something that we, we can definitely chat about. Um, right. Yes, it's been it's been interesting. Um, but we've we've done a we've done a lot. So like our, our, our team, we've got over um, as of today, we've got about six hundred and sixty athletes that Nice, we man. That's incredible. Yeah,
3: and what is your website?
2: It's called Effective Fitness. Effective.fitness, so we're on a com. Mm. Effective.fitness and, and we work with yeah, law enforcement officers. And as of right now, there's not you know, with with the times, there's not a very good standard to to hold them accountable for fitness and health. They have one police academy like test to get in, and then after that, they have to like pass tests on firearms. They have to pass tests on like handcuffs every year, but they don't have a true fitness standard to 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 do every single year. So, um, since things have been going on, like that's something that we looked more into is is actually partnering with agencies. And figuring out ways in which we can help support those agencies to to give them tools in which they can essentially teach any new recruit that's coming on and has that as part of their routine of, okay, every single year, you need to pass a fitness test. like You need to be mm. capable to do your job. yeah um, I think it's like 40% of officers are obese, which for a physically demanding um, job to be higher than the national average is pretty... It's pretty crazy. It, it should not Terrible. be, right? And
0: and Matt, I remember um, on one of your, your podcasts, you mentioned uh become an asset and not a liability. So that's kind of relative to being a police officer too, right?
2: Yes, Very. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So being being an asset and not a liability, that's one of the big things we talk about a lot in our in our in our marketing. Um and some of our some more call to actions are like become an asset. Like we want you to be the best police officer you possibly can be, right? We don't want you to be a liability to your, your partner or your community or your family. Like we want you to be strong, capable and able to do your job and do your job better than you've ever able to do it before.
1: Right. Right. And you know, I very, you know, how, with, with the times right now, police officers are getting a lot of flack right now. I think, you know, what better business right now than to support police officers with training. I mean, I think heard Jocko Willink the other day, um, saying you know officers you know i don't know how accurate this stat he gave me that they basically get two hours of combatives training per year and then they have the fitness test right at the beginning and that's it um you know and seals you know they'll train for six months for a 16-hour mission you know and then we have police officers out there getting two hours of combatives training per year and you know and Basically, no physical fitness testing or training. So, that, what? That's an awesome resource you're giving our country, man. With, yeah, with that, that is fitness. really needed.
3: It, it, it's it's something that's definitely needed. And I just checked out the site on, on my phone, and it, it looks really neat. I like that you have nutrition on there as well, uh, nutrition guidelines. So, yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah,
2: yeah it's it's uh, it's yeah. When I, when I first, that's actually, the reason I moved back home is because they they were starting this company. And I had a lot of experience working with Travis doing remote coaching, and everybody who was part of the team right now is like, we're not really sure how to do remote coaching and programming and stuff like that. And they want to focus more on the in-person physical therapy. So what we do with Police bo- or Effective Fitness is we do the do the exercise, we do the nutrition nutrition uh, templates or guidelines and stuff, and give them feedback on that. And then we also do like I'll hop on calls and give physical therapy support in wo- ways I can. Um, we can't necessarily do telehealth from in all States. So a lot of times it's just almost like a triage of, yep, you need to go see a doctor or no, you know, right. you should probably just modify your workouts, cut down the amount of volume you're doing. Well, I want you to reduce the number of sets this workout by one, or let's just hold off on squatting this week. So trying to, to, to educate them and, and to what, to, to, so they can manage their own their own conditions and not necessarily have to rely on traditional medical care and uh, waste more. Cause that's also a way if they have to go see a doctor that uses agency money, agencies have to, to pay for their officers to go and, and get these visits. And if we can provide a resource at $25 a month, which is our, which is what our, our rate is uh, and be able to be a triage for, for that as well. I mean, yeah, we're, we're trying to offer as much as we can uh, to, to, to these officers right now. Cause they need to so
1: offer physical therapy services as well as strength and conditioning and nutritional services for the officers.
2: Kind of, I wouldn't say it's kind of physical therapy services. It's more of just like, like I said, support. suggestions, suggestions. Yeah. But I can't legally, I mean, I, I guess, cause they're not paying. I mean, they kind of are paying for it. So I, yeah, I guess I can't, I can't give like a prescription of like, or a diagnosis of like, okay, yeah, that sounds like you've got uh, patellar teninopathy, You need to do X, Y, and Z. I, w- I can give modifications just like a personal trainer can. So even though we are physical therapists and there's, uh, there's three, two of us on staff, um, we act more as personal trainers just with a little bit, I guess, higher, higher level of you need to go see this person. And like, I'll refer them to either PTs, chiropractors, or if they need to go to a doctor, like I'll tell them, Hey, you should go to a doctor.
1: <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. One of the things, you know, that we've talked about on this podcast, is that not all personal trainers are created equal. And, you know, from my experience, you know, going through physical therapy the last year and a half, not all physical therapists are created equal. What can you give our listeners, what tools can you give them to help them find a reputable physical therapist?
2: Oh, that's so good. That's a good question. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) He's an asset today. (laughs) 100%, I would look at clinical athlete. Clinical athlete is a, is a group of healthcare providers that specialize in, in, in athletes, but they're very research and evidence backed. So they have a, they have a podcast available and it's, it can be kind of deep. Um, as far as like the, the words they use, even sometimes I'm I'm listening. I'm like, whoa, what do you say? But, um, <laughs> but that, that community, like to be part of that community, you have to be interviewed by, by their, their founder or their team and be accepted to be put on, on their forum. And like, if you go to clinical athlete, there's a, there's a map and you can go and click, um, and look around your area and it'll give you the contact information, the the type of people or population they work with. So like I use this with my, with my, with the officers is like, I'll pull it up and I'll be like, look, this person works with tactical athletes and there, there may be a 30 or 40 minute drive from you, but I would at least go to them and they're going to know your area better than you do. So like, let's say I I can't make that 30 or 40 minute drive every day. Well, okay. At least go talk to him for, or even maybe just email him and be like, Hey, this is my, this is what I'm working with. And this is where I want to be. Do you know anybody in my area that can help? And more than likely they do like we're um, my clinic is a clinical athlete provider. And if somebody was, was local and they didn't want to work with us or like couldn't work with us, we have resources. We know who the good therapists are. Um, right. Well, we also have bias and we believe we're the good therapists, you know, but i take um, taking uh, notes, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <clinical laughs> Athletes probably my, my favorite way to, um, to search for healthcare providers.
1: Any other, Any other telltale signs, any other clues? Mm,
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, ideally, you want to find somebody that does the same activity or sport that you want to get back to or has experience with that. So like our clinic, um, we started in a CrossFit gym. So that's a a big of our, our background is we work with a lot of, say, barbell athletes. So like we work with those. We also work with a lot of runners. And those are the two groups that we specialize with. And that's who we market to and that's who we want to work with. We'll still work with anybody if they come in the door and and that's what they're looking for. But we're going to be best with that active population um, because we see them every single day. We share the office with a triathlon coach and he has a lot of um, he's a lot of athletes that are doing half Ironmans and Ironmans. So we see those guys every single day. So that's who we specialize with. Um, For me, I don't know of any
1: uh, cheerleading physical therapist right now I <laughs> one on instagram it's not exactly a, he's, he's over he's down in like texas or something so He's maybe closer to you right now trev but yeah um, I,
2: I, know, I know the guy that you're talking about <laughs> yeah that guy's
1: guy awesome man i love watching his videos he's guess what better what better physical therapist to go to than the number one injured um activity to be doing cheerleading everybody's getting injured doing that thing so I love that. Any any other tools besides someone who has the same support or or signs?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm a firm believer in you need to find somebody that has a background in strength and conditioning or knows strength and conditioning very well. So if they have the CSCS? Maybe. I mean, CSCS, like, I don't know if that's, it matters as much. I mean, I, I, again, I think more experience matters more. So. But you'll know, like if you go to a, a PT clinic and, and they're just gonna have you get on a table and do traction and E-STEM and ice and heat and stuff like that, like it's probably not gonna be very helpful. That, that was my helpful. first
1: experience, man. And I, <laughs> like, I was talking to her and I said something about like, I, I mentioned like Kelly Storette and she was like, who? And then I mentioned something about, you know, I wanna get back to squatting again. And she's like, oh, squats are bad for your knees. And I oh, never no. <laughs>
0: she was carving her end. She was like, it's
1: like, Oh my gosh, like squats are bad. What are you talking about? You're supposed to be a physical therapist. Like,
2: <laughs> squats right. is just a human, a basic human movement. So you're, um, you're totally yeah. right. Yeah. I mean the more, the more passive modalities and stuff like that, East M mm-hmm. ice heat that they're doing, that's, that's probably not a good sign. I mean, if, if that's like 10 minutes of the treatment and the rest of the treatment is movement based, then you, you're in a good spot because, we know that to to improve pain or like tissue capacity, we've got to load it and we've got to right. go through the full range of motion. We can't, yeah, half squats or whatever, like knees can't pass over toes. Like, no, no, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, we need to be able to move a, a joint through its full range of motion. And I mean, our clinic, we're a little unconditional or untraditional in the fact that we'll do Jefferson curls, loaded Jefferson curls if somebody's nice. got. Lower back issues and, and it's not heavy, but it's still like, okay, we're at least going to move with load through this range of motion. And if they can't do it loaded, we don't have to do it loaded. We can do it just body weight. Um, the same thing with even some, uh, one of our therapists will load knee valgus. I'm like, <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. I mean, that yeah, sounds that's
1: like FRC like... related, you know, you see the, you see the FRC guys like, you know, doing all types of crazy stuff like valgus and loading like their ankles like bent and stuff jumping. And I, I don't know if, if you're familiar with functional range conditioning, but those guys are nuts, man.
2: Yeah. I've, I've seen a good amount of their stuff and it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's very unconditional, but I, I agree with their, their philosophy and methods. Right. So yeah, I mean, strong strength and conditioning background does the activity that you want to get back to doing or has experience working with those people and uh, doesn't do a ton of modalities would be a good start for sure.
1: Gotcha. Well, I, I, uh, what's the word? Uh, selfishly will be taking these points to, uh, my own, my own body. So my, I just, <laughs> I uh, I did an hour of physical therapy today and I, I was laying on the ground in a pool of sweat by the end. So I, it's a good sign. It sounds like.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <But> no, <laughs> absolutely. There was definitely yeah, some movement in there. Yeah, there was no, not all modalities, the, modalities. Was no
1: laying on the ground having passive <laughs> modalities. She was kicking my butt. So.
2: That's good. Yeah, I mean, it should be a workout, man. You should go to you should go to PT and you should be working out and they should be giving you things to do at home that is a workout. Sometimes if it's like post-surgical within that first 4 weeks, that may not be the case, like it may be more we're going to let this tissue heal and recover, but after that point, especially if it's like a you know, my knee hurts when I run, like, okay, we need to load. We need to load. We need to do some some things. But if you're post-surgical, then I see where modalities can kind of play its role. But after right. that, you got to move, got to load. Right, she basically told me
1: today. you Got to talk to the doc because you got the MRI back two days ago. Don't overthink it. You know, basically, You know, and it's an eighteen-month post-operative recovery. So you're not even going to be. I'm eight months out, so I still have ten months, according to them, to be feeling normal, which is longer than any injury I've ever heard before. An eighteen-month recovery process. I mean, ACL is usually like six to 10 months. And then people are
3: mm-hmm.
1: back to, you know, I've got, That's- I've got clients who had ACL surgery and six weeks later they're turned them free. You know, they were, they got the, you know, the, the graft from the cadaver and they were good to go.
3: Yeah. But you have to add a year for cheerleading. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. The hips, the hip, hip is definitely one of those joints that takes a lot and it's just very, it's very sensitive uh, shoulder is right. sensitive as well. Knee, I mean, most people, most people recover pretty well from, from, from the knee surgeries. But yeah, hip, hip and shoulder. I mean, they're, they're very, the same joint, you know, it's, a, it's a same joint on different, different parts. The hip joint mimics a lot of what the shoulder looks like. The knee and elbow mimic a lot of each other.
1: Right. The ball and socket, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, probably just do too much sagittal plane work with their hips. And then they never are using that. In a three three hundred sixty degrees, right. like they're supposed to, and then they wear that track out, and you get problems like what I have, you know. So,
2: oh, yeah. <laughs> <On> <laughs> what I advice? Stuff.
1: What advice do you have for strength and conditioning coaches, um, personal trainers, as a physical therapist? You know, looking through that lens, what what mistakes do you see personal trainers making? What advice do you have? Um, for trainers, not stepping outside of their scope of practice in terms of rehabilitation. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, I, all the time I'm, I'm telling my clients, dude, you need to go see the doctor. You need to go see a physical therapist. I'm not your doctor. <laughs> um, but you know, at, at some point, a lot of clients are really lazy and they don't want to go trust doctors that had experience with a physical therapist. Um, yeah, what's, what's your take, man?
2: Yeah, there's a, I mean, it's a very fine line because a lot of, if, again, I'm very strength and conditioning based. If you were to come to one of my physical therapy sessions, you'd be like, this is personal training. Like he's doing back squats and deadlifts. (laughs) What's going on here? Right. So there definitely is a fine line. And um, I would say the biggest thing is to one, not, not diagnose. Like you don't have the ability to do that. Um, And you don't want to lead the person astray. So that would be one. There's actually a few points. That would be one, don't diagnose. Two is, if you do send somebody, if you really don't know what's going on, there's like numbness, tingling, radiating symptoms, or the movement or the pain continues to get worse and worse, send them to a physical therapist first before sending them to a doctor's office. Or I, I prefer physical therapist because that's, 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 my, that's my skill or that's what I'm, I'm trained in. But uh, from a healthcare standpoint, it actually saves money from an insurance standpoint to to go to a physical therapist as opposed to going to a doctor's visit because when you go to a doctor's visit they're going to do imaging maybe they might be x-ray x-ray and then they're going to realize that's not enough i need to do mri and going down that route for most things like i would never tell someone to go get an mri unless they were thinking about surgery and the reason for that is the mri is not going to change a plan of care for a conservative therapy approach. So like if you go and get an MRI, it actually has the effect, we've actually studied this, of making somebody's pain experience worse or, or greater extent, because now they're like they have they have this image or story in their head that, oh, I have a herniated disc, or I have a bulging disc. And they associate that bulging disc for that is the cause and root cause of my pain. And now that that's there, I don't think I can ever get better without that being fixed, which is not the case. The, actually, the case is that a lot of times when we've actually had studies with this as well, is that is that the, the, the bulging disc, it, the, the pain, people become pain free and can move better before the disc actually heals. Oh. So it doesn't necessarily matter so much about what the image shows. It matters more about the symptoms of like what's going on and really where that person is, is weak. And a physical therapist does a really good job of figuring out, okay, your hip internal rotation is limited, your glutes are weak. Cool, I'm going to I'm gonna outline a plan. And maybe that plan is I'm going to outline a plan for you and your personal trainer to work well one together. And I'm going to kind of oversee it. So having that approach of I'm going to send to a physical therapist, and then instead of instead of a um, instead of a doctor, and then Working with that physical therapist one-on-one with that person because to be honest If somebody comes to me and they've been working the personal trainer I want to talk to that personal trainer because they have been working with this individual for a much longer period and have a lot more Knowledge of of how this person moves than I'm gonna get in one session because you've seen them move for a long time Right, yeah
1: Gotcha. What is what is your take on? you know, assessments like FMS or, or wide balance, how applicable is something almost more, I would say almost more clinical, like applicable to a, a physical therapist. How applicable is that to a strength and conditioning coach on the performance side?
2: I mean, it depends on the goals. So like I, I, I have spent time in, in Gray Cook's clinic um, I've done some of their screens for like some minor league teams and uh, at the time, I really liked them. And that's not I don't like them, but I've just, I guess I've seen enough of it. And I i don't know. I mean, it's only going to be as specific or as good as for what it's being tested for. And the FMS in particular is, is a, it's, a, it's a movement screen. And, and that's just what it is. It's a screen. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you have a lot of people, a screen can be really helpful. So like if you're doing it for a combine purpose or like to just screen a bunch of people at one time, that's fine, but you're going to get more... <laughs> valuable data just by working with that individual over a long period of time um, and seeing how they move. Watching so, them squat. I mean, the assessment starts when they walk in the door, right? Right, exactly. So I, I think there can be value in that. And especially for like a test retest purposes, like it's good to have some sort of standardized test that you can use on day one and you can show them again in three months and six months in a year. And maybe that is the FMS, um, it's going to be hard to get a, a substantial change in the FMS scores. Cause most people are going to be 14s and that's just going to be the case. And like to go, to go from a two to a three, which like two is like for those who don't know, like a two is like, is normal. And that's where we we can load it for right, the full range of motion. Yeah. And it's a huge range. And like there, and then some people argue, is that a two or a three? So like, I I like the idea and the concept that Gray is, co- is is creating. And I think that's what he's he's even talked about a lot too is he's he talks about that look, if somebody can make something better, I'm hundred percent for that. But this is what we have been using because this is the current best thing that I have I have found to create. And he's not saying that this is the one-stop solution. He's like, this is a screen, and we all need to come together to figure out what are the basic foundational movements that we should all be able to do, which should be a squat, should be a press, should be a deadlift, should be a pull. Like those are all foundational things that we should all be able to do. And um, you try to create a system that would, that would measure that. Um, but the like science shows us that the reliability and the specificity of that test is not, uh, not very accurate, not as accurate as, as, as we would like it to be.
1: Right. It's not necessarily predictable of um, those asymmetries are not necessarily predictive of injury risk. And then most of the time the elite athletes have so many asymmetries in adaptation to their sport. They're not going to have a perfect score anyways.
2: Right. Yeah. And and, yeah, like you said, it it could be a positive thing. That adaptation could actually help them. Like having tight hamstrings and being a sprinter is probably a good thing.
1: Right. Right. If your, if your shoulders are completely symmetrical as a professional pitcher in the major league baseball, That's probably, you know, that's probably not good. It's probably not good for throwing a ball really fast. So last question I had, um, before you prepared, you know, freestyle, whatever you guys have, um, is, uh, you know, blue collar fitness, you know, we want to, this, we want this to be a podcast that provides, you know, good information for fitness professionals as well as, you know, gym rats or just people interested in learning more about health and fitness. Um, but we also want to build a online uh, training component for people who want to have good fitness programming. Um, you know, you're someone who's built that already. What? What? How did you do that? And you know, if you had, a, you know, without, you know, spending, well, you could probably talk about it for like six hours. But you know, <laughs> um, give us a give us an outline
2: yeah and i mean the, the the most important thing is to oh there's the dog if you heard, heard her uh the most important thing is to is to provide value and to really care about that person that, the people that you're you're working with and then when like whoever that person is like you should have an ideal person that you want to work with and it could be it should be as specific as possible if it's a crossfitter cool what does that crossfitter do is it a, is it a girl is it a guy are they married Like you should have this person even have a name for them. Like some people have a picture for them and be very specific. And every single time you create content, have it around that person. And yeah, you're going to get people that aren't in part of that niche or that person, but that's okay. Like, but you have one person and it makes your messaging so much easier because you're not worried about appeasing everybody. You're, you're, you're thinking about Sally. How can I help Sally today? Okay, cool. And you know what, what, what is Sally thinking? What is she, what, what is something that she's really struggling with that I can provide value for, whether that's through Instagram, a podcast, a blog post, whatever it may be, but you're thinking about Sally whenever you write your posts, she is the top of your mind. right
1: and you, you guys you know exemplify that with tactical fitness. you guys have a very specific um audience so um, yeah,
2: and and we think of like and in the and in the, in the big things that that they're thinking of is a lot of times when those guys retire, they have a, they have a shorter life expectancy. I want to say it's, I want to say, I don't don't know the exact statistic, but it's 20 to 30% less than the normal person. So, you know, a lot of these guys, when they retire, they're like, I still want to be able to do, I still want to be around for my family. Okay. That's, that's a big thing. And like, how can we talk about healthy habits that can, they, they can use to increase their longevity or increase their career because they got into this because they wanted to give back and help people but a lot of times their health can pull them out of that. So if we can give them things to increase their longevity of of the career, they're gonna have a more fulfilling life. So like it really reading, comes down to meditation really, with your guys. You, guys. you guys do like box breathing or anything like that. I actually I actually have programmed that. Um, I programmed that a few weeks ago. So like on there our rest you go, day, man. I'll suggest some That's box awesome. breathing in there. <laughs> um, I did, yeah. And then like sometimes I'm like, just go on a long walk today. You know, I don't know how many people fill out the rest day stuff. They're like, oh rest days, oh, who, no rest days. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go do some uh, BJJ or I'm to gonna be go honest, do whenever it, do you
1: that. put optional on the program when I was doing it, I I didn't do it. Yeah <laughs> <laughs> <Me either>. optional <laughs> I mean, optional, she's got time for that. I'm going to do some curls, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: those, those curls again.
1: <laughs> so maybe you can take that as, I don't know, maybe I'm just a specific example, but whenever you put optional, it's like, well, this doesn't matter. I'm going to go do
0: some curls or something. <laughs> Sounds like a day off. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, what yeah. what uh, online platform do you guys
2: use? What app? What Ooh. We use so we use Kajabi. Kajabi is this all in one software system that that we can use to essentially send emails, create landing pages or website pages. Um, I can use to create a course off it, too. So like when someone signs up, we have like a crash course that they can go through if they want to learn everything about how to how to use use the program. They can follow the course, Um, but they'll also get emails with videos saying, hey, did you know we offer this? click this and this, click this. So mm-hmm. it, it's a very simple system and it's, it's really clean. Like if you guys yeah. saw the website, it's, I mean, I'm not a graphic designer by any means, but um, I made that whole website. So everything good you Good job, on, man. Well, it's I'm great made, Yeah, there's
0: a, there's a lot of calls to action.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's the same call to action too. So note that, so there's, uh, there's some good <laughs> studies to show that having the same call to action throughout the entire page as opposed to sign up here, start your trial here. Download today, like all of those confused people. And if you can have one solid call to action. And that's
1: where you do your online programming. It's where you interact with your clientele. And then what, mm-hmm. what um, basically, interview, I mean, right now, it's you and another physical therapist. But you, you guys, you know, you obviously don't coach 600 and some people, right? How do you find coaches? How do you interview them? Um, how, basically, Yeah. how do you filter out
2: the bad? Sure, sure. So there's, there's four of us who work together, three of us work as physical therapists or part of this physical therapy practice. And then the fourth person is a law enforcement officer. And he was actually a past patient. And um, he was working with the owner of the PT clinic at the time, uh, coming in to get some dry kneeling on his shoulder. And um, he, at the time had a really big Instagram account, he still does. It's called police post. So if you type in police post, um, you, you'll see the page it's got about two hundred and seventy thousand followers right now so he had this big following and um he wanted (gasps) to provide sorry the dog hey (laughs) he uh he wanted yes sorry uh he wanted to provide a resource to to train these officers because that's something he's really passionate about is fitness and like we mentioned earlier it's a higher mortality rate at 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 an early age the obesity rate is higher And, um, he didn't really know how to program. He didn't know how to do any of those things. So he reached out to this physical therapy clinic and said, Hey, I need, I, this is what I'm looking for. Would you guys help me? Like you guys can build the program out and I'll send people to the website. And essentially that's what happened. And then it started to pick up and that's when they brought me on, um, to, to kind of take over. So when I started, we had about 60 to 80 members. And like I said, today we've 660. So that's, Fantastic. Been, that's impressive. Yeah. It's, it's been a year. <laughs> I've been around for a year and we've, I remember when that. you, like, you right.
1: mentioned that to me when you were first going into it. So how yeah. much of your practice is clinical and how much of your practice is, I mean, well, okay. You're, you're cash based physical therapist, but mm-hmm. how, and how much of it is online?
2: Yeah. So the majority now is online. When I first started, uh, I was probably, I mean, I, I wanted this to be, I still do. I want this to be the effective fitness to be the main priority. So when I started, I treated three days a week. And, um, so about 15 to 20 hours a week, I would be in, in the clinic. And then as of recently, most of my stuff now is digital. So I have one day a week where I'm in clinic. Um, it's Mondays. So I might have pretty much a full availability. Anybody can work with me on, on Monday and then. Ah, uh, the rest of the week is geared at doing the digital stuff for for both the physical therapy clinic that I'm a part of, as well as as effective fitness. And, so those are um, two
1: separate companies, and you juggle them. two
2: separate companies. I mean, the same same owners for the. I mean, I guess yeah, same for the most part. Because um, we branched off, we were using everything as part of the PT clinic, but once it got big enough, we're like, these two are completely separate. So uh, we created our own our own LLC. Or LLP because it's a partnership between everybody. Um, but yeah, so that's that's that. And um, so with that with that many athletes, we we have a base program that everyone can follow, and there are two workouts of the day there. So you've got a bodyweight section or a bodyweight workout, and then you've got an equipment based workout. And based off what equipment you have access to, you would pick one or the other. We try to match the stimulus. So if somebody doesn't have equipment. Uh, and it's a deadlift day. Well, we're going to do some sort of hip thrust or glute bridge with something heavy around the house. Like, try to match that stimulus the best we can th- with the bodyweight workouts. Um, but, but with that, I mean, we've got we've got a coach. I, I we have an, another coach that that we have, uh, and she, and I we found her. She's local. We found her because she actually works, and her main prior or main uh, main audience that she actually serves locally is. Is tactical first responder people that use their body for their profession. So uh, she helps manage the Facebook group, and we use Train Heroic. It was an, another software we use. We use Train Heroic to deliver our program, and Train um, yeah, and that's and that allows us like daily workouts, and you can pull them up and uh, scroll. So there's like a forum in there, and if anyone has any questions, either on there or in the Facebook group, we have our coach answer those, and then anything that needs to be filtered for a PT question or like a programming question of like, why is this this way? Those get forwarded to me. Um, but most of our athletes yeah, those Those 600 are all following that one base program. And then we've got a few who do individual coaching. Um, but right now, most of it is on that, that, that base level model.
1: So I bet we could do an entire podcast on this in the future and it would be totally, epic. but would you give us your uh, programming philosophy? I'm sure it's been influenced by influenced by Travis and then, you know, all the years that you did, you know, CrossFit and weightlifting and, you know, going to PT school, all these things.
2: Yeah, man, that's a great question. That's <laughs> a lot to think about.
1: It's a big question. Yes. It's a loaded question.
2: It is. And I really like it depends on the goal. If it's somebody that just wants to be healthy and stay fit, I really like. Like Dan, uh, Dan John, Dan John's like basic. The, there's like my favorite strength functional coach. patterns, right? Like everybody got uh, a push, pull, squat, hinge, carry. Like those are like the kind of, five main categories that He's you. It's all about those carries. Load. Oh yeah, and and for us, like working with law enforcement officers, we do a lot of carries too because you got to carry shit. Like that's just that's part of part of their their job duties is carrying and stuff. So, uh, yeah. So that's that's probably like one of my biggest things, if somebody is just training two or three days a week, I'm going to do a full body workout doing all five of those patterns.
1: If you're a personal trainer
2: and you haven't read Dan John's books, what are you doing with your life?
1: (laughs) (laughs) They're easy to read too. It's not like super training by Mel Siff. They're just everyday English.
2: Right. And it's, it's just, it's simple. And that's, 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 and I think a lot of times personal trainers and PTs, PTs especially can try to get, Really complicated and complex of like we're gonna to try to work the hip internal rotators only and isolate them to where nothing else is working. I'm like, well, when you move, you just gotta squat or deadlift or hip pull like, like <laughs> the patterns that you do right, so like right just do those um so I keep it really simple for those if you're a, if you're a strength athlete, we get a little bit more specific, and the frequency of those movements um becomes a lot higher, but yeah, keeping it simple is, is huge. Typically, like what you say, a given training session, you're going to have a five to 10 minute warm up that's going to work. The movement patterns that are going to be practiced that day. You'll have one main strength movement, assuming you're not a strength athlete. If you're a strength athlete, you'll probably have more. You'll do one main strength movement, and then you'll do two to three accessory movements, which I really love to be unilateral in nature. So step ups, single arm presses, single arm rows, um, all those fun things. And, uh, after those two to three accessory movements, I like doing some sort of short circuit at the end of it, just to keep the heart rate elevated. Um, some, and some of those sessions throughout the week, they can be longer circuits. And then at the end doing some sort of cool down more and not necessarily like I like using static stretching there, but not necessarily to stretch, but more to work on breath work and kind of just down regulate before finishing the day.
1: Just kick up regulate the parasympathetic and down regulate the sympathetic nervous system
2: exactly just feel good like you know you almost just like reward your body for just training hard and making it through the session and you got the rest of the day to enjoy
1: right right so you know those you you just gave us your your strength athlete and then your um, your general population. are there any other populations that you work with that you would use a, a different um, programming philosophy or is that is that covered at all
2: yeah i'd say that's my general template and it depends too because we work with a lot of people that are maybe they're already endurance athletes and they don't necessarily need that circuit piece at the end and we'll focus more on something that they're not doing a lot of so they may have instead of that they may have more carries and core work as opposed to doing more conditioning pieces so it really comes down to where that individual is, is limited in their training or where their where their biggest limitation is. So we always do an assessment at initial, at the first time I see somebody. And a lot of times I do a lot of PT stuff just to kind of see like, okay, let's just do some manual muscle testing, but I want to see them squat. I want to see them deadlift. I want to see their balance. And then we'll improve those things that are limited. And and that will also dictate where that session goes and how much time is spent in a specific thing. if if somebody's very limited uh flexibility range of motion stuff then we're going to do more tempo stuff. We're going to do full range of motion tempo work to to do like loaded mobility. So not just static stretch or dynamic stretch. We're going to go through that full range of motion, pause at the bottom of that squat, take in a nice few deep breaths of air and come out of it.
1: Right. Right. So you have I've seen your your performance programming which follows at least for me, it was basically like a five, three, one, and it, you know, and then you would do four weeks, you know, three weeks of fives and then a deload. And then if you're ready, you might move into threes depending on where you were, you know, Mm -hmm. that seemed to be the basic structure. Um, you know, and then you also have on this other hand, you have your physical therapy where, you know, traditionally what I've seen with physical therapy, it's a lot of like, okay, now we're going to do abduction, uh, leg lifts set of 30, you know, and then we're gonna do glute bridges set of thirty, you know, and then we're gonna work on your internal extate, you know, internal rotation of your hip with this band, you know, for a set of thirty. Like where how do you balance that, you know?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. And you mentioned the good, yeah. I, I love block periodization. I didn't mention that, but you did yeah, I, I I love doing block periodization with people. Um, but that's when they're more they're ready. So like I do a lot of linear progression with people in rehab. So if someone is post op ACL, we're box squatting day one. Oh yeah. Like, Let's
1: go. you know, there like, you go.
2: As, as long as they're off crushes and, or maybe maybe not, crushes, but yeah, maybe we'll right. see. But like, that's, that's honestly the first thing I want to get them to do is I want to them some sort of squatting pattern and we're just going to load that pattern until they're comfortable. So I do a lot of linear progressions, keeping things relatively the same for, um, for somebody that's new and it's a PT client. And then when they come back in, so like our, as a, a cash based PT clinic, we typically see somebody once every once a week for the first two or three visits. And then after that, it's once every two or three weeks. And then it's like once a month. And that's because for we give them. A
1: I'm
2: sorry to yeah. interrupt
1: you, but don't lose your train of thought. But for people that don't yeah. understand the difference between cash based and uh, insurance, can you explain the advantages of going with cash based physical
2: therapy? Absolutely. There's there's a lot of course. Um, i I'll, I'll tell you when you should probably you can go to a insurance based clinic is if you if you if you have met your deductible and you have had surgery it's not a bad thing to do is to go to a traditional p t route and there are some good therapists out there hundred percent so like i'm not i don't want to say that we're the best um but with with the cash based p t model essentially um it really depends on the person's insurance plan so for some people they have They may have insurance, but if they haven't met their deductible, they're going to pay the same amount of money to go see a normal PT three times a week that they would see if they paid a cash-based PT for like a, yeah. So you'd pay the same visit, but you'd be paying it three times at a normal clinic. But at a cash-based place, you would see them once a week. And we really give our patients the tools that they can do on their own to improve their condition. So we kind of put this we create an an exercise plan for them and we check in the next week. Okay. How will this thing? So we, we, we act more as a guide in that rehab process of like, I'm here to guide you along this process, as opposed to you have to come here three times a week for six to 12 weeks and do the same exercises in this environment. For us, we want to empower our patient and give them the tools and education to where we all know that, from, we all know from from uh, from personal experience and research that the most common cause of injury or the most the people who have the most pain had pain in that area previously so like we're not going to sell somebody and say we're going to completely get rid of your knee pain I mean hopefully that happens, but more than anything we're going to teach you how to manage this knee pain because if you squat a lot if you run a lot it's more than likely going to come back but we're going to give you the tools over this period of time we're working together to where you won't have to reutilize us again in the future. You won't have to go get an x-ray, an MRI and go to PT and just follow the plan. So a cash-based PT model to do that is, is, very, is one-on-one in nature. So in a typical insurance-based practice, you're going to see a PT for 10 to 15 minutes and then the rest of that time, you're kind of just exercising on your own or you're being led by a a physical therapy technician or a physical therapy aide. And those people typically, this isn't all clinics, but a lot of those people are either in high school or in college and are studying exercise science, but they're not the physical therapists. In the traditional model, the physical therapist is, is most valuable doing evaluations because that's what they learned in school, and that's what they can make the most, the, the clinic can make the most money in is if they're doing evaluations. So what you'll find is you'll yeah, see that the PT in a lot of these clinics is doing the evals. And then when they're done with the eval, they'll hand them off to a physical therapy assistant, which again, they can be great as well. Um, but the physical therapy assistant is not a doctorate level degree. It is, I believe you should go to community college and um, you take it, well, it's maybe one or two year program, but it's, it's not... It's not to the same degree as a physical therapy degree is
1: because they can't diagnose. All they do is the rehabilitative exercise,
2: basically. Right, and they can only do the exercises that the PT lays out. Supposed to be right. I mean, I think there's a little bit of creative will will in there, but there legally there's not a ton. Like they should be following the plan that the PT laid out. So yeah, the, the benefit with the cash based model is that you get a, a, a PT for. I mean, our evals are 75 minutes and you're, you're just one-on-one with PT. You get, I mean, PT does not end. Like I have a lot of people who I text and be like, Hey man, how's it going? You know, if we're only seeing them once every month, I want to text them every two or three weeks or every week just saying, Hey, how's the knee feeling? Okay, cool. So you, you get just like we talked about earlier with as a, as a, as a trainer, 20 to 30 clients is kind of that sweet spot. And like, once you go beyond that, it's really hard to have a good, level of care in a traditional physical therapy model you're going to see upwards of 15 to 20 there's some places that do 30 a day a day yeah jeez. yeah like i I, I, i've been
1: screening some of my physical therapists at my old clinic and they basically it was that model you were saying before over at uh where they sent me after you know, the same building that the trailblazers are in the same therapist work with the trailblazers rebound. Yeah. I wasn't going to call them out like that, but yeah, basically you get like 20 minutes with the physical therapist. If that, you know, it's like, blah, blah, blah. How are you doing? Okay. And then you work with some girl who is either about to graduate with her undergrad or just graduated with her undergrad. Luckily the spot I'm at now, OHSU there, it's the same physical therapist, you know, once or twice a week for an hour, sometimes 75 minutes. So that at least makes me feel better, you know, about where I'm at right now.
2: Yeah. And like I said, all these clinics are different. You're going to have different experiences and yes, insurance matters a little bit, but not, a, not, a, I mean, it, it, it just depends. Like if that, cl- a lot of times clinic de- or the owners of the clinics are not physical therapists, they're just business owners. And then that's also something that's, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because most people get into physical therapy to help people. And um, some people can take advantage of that. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you, you get one-on-one attention with a the physical therapy, with a cash-based model, and we get people better faster. Our average visits are five, five per patient. And after that... And that gives you,
1: you know, if you're paying cash, the physical therapist that's working with you probably has a better work-life balance. They're probably getting paid better because they're not, you know having to work through the, the model of, Oh, I can't, I have to do this, but I can't even bill for it. You know, Mm -hmm. I, one of our good buddies, Eric Weiss, his mom does PT and she has her own practice and she's always worried about money. You know, she can only pay herself. You know, she lives in Boston. She can only pay herself like 60 grand a year, which is okay. But like, not if you have, you know, a, a doctorate in physical therapy and you got to pay off that, you know, $200,000 debt or whatever it is. Plus, pay for the building that you're in. Plus, you know, it, it's a lot of, that's a lot, you know? So, um, you know, is. if you if you go with a cash-based, uh, sounds like it's what you're saying, you go with cash physical therapy, your physical therapist is probably not pulling their hair out with stress, you know, or at least less likely, and they can give you better care.
2: Yeah, yeah, so like when I was seeing at my fullest, like I said, it was 15 hours a week rather than that's 15 patients a week that I was seeing. And that was the same volume that I was seeing in one day. So I'm like, man, I can think about this person's plan of care when they leave. And then when they're coming back in, I can still remember their name. I can't tell you. I mean, like when I was in my rotations for PT school, I couldn't remember people's names. I was like, where's your sheet? Because who is this? What did we work on? I'm like, hey, champ. How you doing, buddy? What are you doing, Tiger? <laughs> <laughs> Man, Uh, now it's different in the fact that I remember, I remember everybody, you know, and I, and I, and I remember the conversations we had because we talked together for 60 to 75 minutes and I didn't have to hand them off to somebody else. Like I remember, I remember, and I can talk to them about family. I can talk to them about stuff they like to do. You develop a relationship with that person. And that's honestly where, where the healing begins is that therapeutic alliance and relationship. And as long as they have that, they trust you and they're doing movement and exercise, they're probably going to get better. Like you saw. Right. Movement heals. Movement does. It's well, magic.
1: You guys have any, you guys have anything else for uh, Dr. Shiver? Yeah, I got, Dr. I Shiber. got one question. <laughs>
2: um, have you ever thought about transitioning or branching off into uh, military, military training, like maybe pre
1: like Pre-tactical for like buds or for Green Beret special oh. special forces. Have you ever have you ever thought about? I mean, there's a lot of like
2: tangents or a lot of similarities uh, between uh, law enforcement and military. So I was just wondering. That was one question I had. I thought about going. To, Baylor actually has a program for physical therapy that is related to military and like it's it's a it's a full like yeah. So when you when you finish, you would go either to uh, Navy, Army. What am I say? I want to say yes. Yeah, Bailey, Our Army is the is the main program. Um, so I, I was interested in that before going to PT school. Like when I was selecting and talked to a few people who were at that program, decided against it. And um, since starting with law enforcement, no, actually, I haven't. Before I decided on that job, or before I decided on that job, I was talking to a um, an Air Force Reserve based where they were looking for a strength coach and a physical therapist. So I was in communication with them. That has always been something I was interested in but since working with the law enforcement officers. We've just really niched down to where that's, that's the people that we serve and until we have served them to like their absolute best. And we've created these systems, like I said, with agencies to where the fitness standard is is serious and it's not a joke anymore. Um, then maybe we'll, we'll branch out, but, as of right now, like we want to really make a difference and, um, working with law enforcement first.
0: Gotcha. And on, on your podcast, you mentioned like really finding your niche and you provide a lot of, a lot of value to PT therapists. And I have a question, was your, was your podcast, uh, you know, the online PT side hustle podcast, was that impromptu or did that also, was it also kind of like a five-year goal or a 10 year goal for you? Like where you work backwards? Cause, I just, I listened to the part about the goal setting. And I was like, okay, he's, he's asking us to uh, have three whys. This is one thing I'm going to practice, but I just want to ask you, did you develop the podcast over the whole lockdown or
2: did you have it planned before Matt? Great question. Great question. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the podcast, I've always wanted to do a podcast and um, I, it was definitely impromptu. And I'm still, and the goal setting, especially that podcast in particular, that one, I I really love doing with people. And um, for me, I I set goals. It's about time for me to set new goals. I think in July, I'm going to set new goals again for myself. And this last July, that was, or this last three month period, like this quarter, I do quarterly goals, that this podcast that I just created like a week ago (laughs) was not part of, part of that, but I started getting interested in it and and a lot of the stuff like that I'm doing with the law enforcement um, company is a lot of digital marketing. And I'm like, this is actually a lot of fun and I want to share this with people. (laughs) So as of right now, I don't have anything set. I definitely have been really contemplating of like actually creating a, a product or service with other physical therapists and strength coaches to teach them what I've learned, but I haven't gone all in with it yet. So I haven't made a goal for myself to do anything about it yet. And that's also a reason why I haven't really promoted it or like really gone all in yet because I haven't done that goal setting process for it yet. So yeah, it's impromptu and more so (laughs) because I enjoy it. And I also, everybody, like you learn so much more when you actually can teach other people. So for me, just to formulate my thoughts, and to get on a microphone and talk about my thoughts, I'm learning. So, like, I'm learning by doing that. And now I, I'm more solid and confident in that message. So I'm not sure what I'm going to do as far as, like, teaching other PTs or uh, strength coaches where that's going to go yet. But that is something that uh, I'm passionate about right now. But I haven't developed any goals for it yet.
1: I think that's why or at least half of why we started Blue Collar Fitness is we were getting together and we were having these discussions um, to try and make ourselves better. And then we realized, hey, we could bring on some fantastic guests that are going to not only in, enrich our knowledge, um, but can help you know other people that are interested in the same things we are. And all four of us, we're always reading books. We're always uh, searching for continuing education, trying to get better. And we want to surround ourselves with people that have that same vision I'm always seeing you doing some new research, some new course, some new book, and you know, and kind of like a transition here. What are your top three books for our listeners? What are you reading right now? What would you recommend that we uh, we read? Jesus Christ, I'm you put the... him on the spot a lot
2: today. No, right? I'm loving it. <laughs> oh my god! I'm, I'm,
1: I'm excited to than
3: hear.
2: It. you man. I'm excited <laughs> to hear. It. Not three books. Uh,
1: I'm not afraid. We me... don't pull any punches on blue collar
2: fitness. <laughs> no. Um. Uh, hmm. You know, I really liked, uh, what's God, I got to think of the name of it. You no, know, it. Um, I'll say productivity books. Like I just started reading this not too long ago and it really helped me is Deep Work. I can, Deep Work is actually a really good talking about focus. I'm all for books that teach you how to do less because one thing that really, that I I, I wouldn't say I, I, I don't want to say I struggle with, but like I, I definitely have a, a, a tendency to to work and fill my time with work and the more that I can read books that just like strength training right like you you find a weakness and then you work on that weakness until it becomes a strength for me, my weakness previously was spending so much time working. so if I can read books that help me not do that, <laughs> whether that is like relaxation meditation books or books like this of like how to actually structure your day or week to where you can Do less and get more busy work. Great. Yeah. I think so. That's a good one. Uh, Four Hour Work Week was the first book that I read that was about that. And when I read that, my mind was blown. I'm like, what? I love that guy.
1: What's his name? Tim uh, Tim Ferriss. Uh, Tim Ferriss. That's who it is. Yeah. I'm reading his book right now, Tools of Titans.
2: Oh, man. Oh, I've got, got that one. I've got Chef, Four Hour Body. Yeah, I've got I got all those books, man. So he's good, and nice. I think I, I mean I don't know if it would be a best book, but it was definitely a game changer the time I read it because I was probably a, a freshman or no, I was probably a sophomore in high in college, and I'm like, wait a second, you telling me that I don't have to go get a nine to five job, and I can do whatever I want? And <laughs> about that time was when I was like, you know, I really like online coaching. This sounds like a, this sounds crazy, but I'm gonna try this. So there you uh, go, so yeah, I, I definitely. Like, like his stuff a lot. So Tim Ferriss, the deep, deep work. And then, oh man, what is that one book that's in my head? What's up with your talk? I know. It's, it's a short read. I'll, re, I'll give you another one. I'll give you another one that I just read. The, the Four Agreements I just finished. Four Agreements. Also, okay. also really like that book. And it talks a lot about talks a lot about the power of like stories and words and the stories and stuff that you play in your head. So uh, for, for instance, like our words create a story. So like what you say on a daily basis and the words you say create a story, right? And that story that you tell yourself creates your reality. So if you have negative words in your, in, in that creates a negative story then your reality tends to be more negative or pessimistic but if you can eliminate negative words and use very proactive and uh, healthy words you've got healthier stories and now those healthy stories can help shape your reality of of how you see things so um i'm a big believer in that that stuff yeah that that's
3: amazing i've been life coaching for 12 years and i have to say that that is one of the biggest things is you know our inner voice is most most often our, our worst critic and, and our worst enemy. And when we truly learn that every time you say something bad about yourself, you have to say two nice things about yourself. Um, and, and you know, when when you walk in front of a mirror, you know, wh- what are you saying to yourself? Um, you know, I, I make it a point whenever I say myself in the mirror, the first thing I say in my head is, I love you. You know, and, and, Ooh, and love it. that took it took it took years for me to get to that point. You know, because we all have that self-esteem issue. And I've met m- men and women from all walks of life, military, police, um, you know, a- a everyday people, factory workers. And no matter their looks, no matter their wealth, no matter what is going on in their in their lives, there's still a self-loathing and a shame that, that they have. And trying to get them to overcome that has been the, the number one thing. And it sounds like you have done such a great job with, with um with your message and getting that out, but also uh, realizing that yourself, so I have to say I'm really proud of you. And today has been very inspirational for me as well. So thank you.
2: Cool. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate it,
1: dude. Thanks for coming on, man. Give all the shameless plugs. Plug everything. <laughs> Whatever you got. It sounds like you got about 20 different
2: things. So let's make a list. <laughs> yeah, and we'll put it all in the show notes. A bunch of websites. Yeah, we'll put this on our channel too, and we'll put links <laughs> to
3: your stuff because this was just just incredible. So thank you so much.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I appreciate the invite. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be the first guest. I'm like, man, that's that's cool. Very it's first blue collar guest, Matt. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, yeah. Damn. So, and, and now so we're saying,
3: uh, oh, I forgot to hit the record button. <laughs> oh man, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we have been so technologically challenged; it's not even funny. We waited a long time before we brought on a guest. This is, <laughs> this is, uh, I believe, this will officially be what. Episode six. Episode six, yeah. right? But we probably recorded eleven. Or something like that. So yeah, the other ones just sounded so bad. Some um, of them go in the vault. Quality bolt. wise, we're just like that's not going on. There. <laughs> yeah, that's
3: we, we blame Trevor for being a liability and not an asset. Oh yeah, total, total liability. <laughs>
1: where where can we find you, Doctor Shiver? What is your what you what is your uh, your yeah. preferred method of contact?
2: Yeah, man. So I would reach out via Instagram. It's probably the best place to, to find me. My, um, my handle, is that handle? Is that, is that Instagram handle? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, this is guy one? right Twitter here. Twitter handle, yeah. Hand handle. <laughs> Shive, S-H-I-V underscore on. Shive on is where you can best find me. If you're interested in learning more about the law enforcement uh, business that we run, it is training on Instagram or just effective.fitness. We don't use a .com. We're cooler than that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but .fitness. <laughs> and then, um, like they mentioned, I did start a podcast this past, uh, two weeks ago, maybe two, maybe three weeks ago. But it is the online, yeah, the online PT side hustle. And it just goes over a lot more of the, the back end business side of things uh, that, that goes on with online coaching. My main target for that is, or target audience would be uh, physical therapists, but it, it's the same message. It's just like, just like we kind of mentioned of like, okay, have you thought about working with more tactical or, um, like army guys? It's, it's a very similar message, but we just niche down to just PTs, but anybody could, could do, could, could follow the steps that we lay out and, and that I'm laying out in that, um, that podcast and, and see some great results. So those are all the places you can find me. We'll be, we'll be subscribing, man. I really appreciate it. Let's do this again sometime. Yes, please, man. Absolutely, I'm excited to see where this podcast goes.
1: Me too, man. We hope it. Uh, we hope it blows up. And if it, even if it doesn't, you know, we'll make some great friends and uh, you know help each other get better at being better coaches and better humans.
2: So that's what it's all about. That's all we got. That's all we got for today.
1: Okay. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks. For Thanks, listening. Matt. Thanks, list to blue car fitness. Thank, thank you, you Doctor Shiva. Thank you, Doctor Shiva. All,
2: right. all right, y'all. Thanks, man.